Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. and gentlemen welcome to the from the back tees podcast a podcast that is always from the back tees i'm jerry the enforcer lou and with me as always is zach pencer the founder of from the back tees and nolan smith our tiger beat writer and zach we have a fourth person on the blower today who's our special guest this time oh yeah we got a big guest on the show today courtesy of uh andrew dumblefore you know i think he's a friend of of our guest we got nick huey on the show pga tour caddy how's it going nick Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. So I guess I got to start off with, how do you know Andrew? Um, we grew up in the same town, um, play at the same golf course. So we have a little group that plays on Saturday and Sunday and met Andrew through that and some mutual friends of ours. Yeah, you got any good dirt on him? We need some good dirt <laughs> to get ribbing. I actually just played with him Sunday. He actually played pretty good. He's actually hitting the ball further than me from now for some reason. I got to... <laughs> Gotta work on my game a little bit, I guess. That's funny. The back tee golf outing is not going to go well for me. Yeah, that's, that's funny you bring that up, Nick, because he told you to give a give you a little needle on how long he is compared to you. So yeah, he's giving me giving me the courtesy look all Sunday, and I'm like, God, <laughs> just pulling up there, bud. Sorry. Right. <laughs> he wasn't Walmarting you or anything, was he? Nah, not quite that bad. <laughs> Nolan, you'd be surprised how many people don't know the Walmart joke. <clears throat> Seriously. <laughs> Like, at least, like, one out of every four golfers is like, Walmart, and be like, never mind. You, you yeah. Know, I was a kid. I mean. I get Walmarted. I get Walmarted all the time, so that's how I know it. But I still kick everyone's butt anyway, so. And I, and yeah. all I can do, all I can, all I can do in the course is Walmart people, and then the rest of it falls apart. <laughs> now, before we get into probably why Nick uh, might not be as long as Andrew because of uh, my, and what made him a jock instead of a, uh, a tour player with a wrist injury. Uh, I just want to clear up for the for anyone, uh, the dozens to hundreds of people who are listening right now. Who exactly, Nick, are you working for right now? I'm actually unemployed at the moment. Um, I've been unemployed since Napa. Um, I worked for Scott Brown for nine and a half years, and we just split very amicably. And um, I'm actually in the I caddy for Chris Kirk for two weeks. Um, but I'm actually right now just um, kind of sitting around waiting to find my next gig. I would call it being a free agent. Yeah, there yeah, you go. I agree. Hey, don't, hey, shut up, Nolan. That means different to me. I'm going to walk into work tomorrow morning and be a free agent, and i got to pay some bills. So, uh, but, <laughs> but real quick, I, I'm sorry I didn't do all my homework, uh, Nick, but uh, did you work for anyone before Scott Brown? Because that's a – in terms of, like, caddy uh, player relationship, that's a long one. I mean, and I'm yeah. glad, according to you – that it edited it, it amicably and as far as i know you're telling me and i like you so yes that's that's yeah. exactly happening but i mean that's a long time to be with somebody yeah i was with scott for his whole tenure on tour um i actually started caddying in 2009 i was living in charleston caddying at the ocean course at keela um and out we, ocean course. Love that place and we were um we were playing some money games on sunday and monday were my days off and i met a kid named dustin bray um, and started caddying for him. He was um, All-American in North Carolina, broke off, broke a couple – I know he broke Davis Love's win record at North Carolina. Um, so I started, that's how I started caddying. I caddied for him, 
for a year and a half, he got sick. He had a blood, um, some kind of blood disease where he had too much iron and he lost a bunch of weight. Anyway, um, and then I kind of bounced around for about six or eight months. And then I hooked on with Scott um, halfway through that year. We did that year and then one more year on the web and got our card. And so a little over nine years. So, What was that? What was that feeling like getting the tour card finally? Pretty good feeling. We um we were kind of sliding that year, two thousand. I guess it was two thousand eleven. Um, coming down the stretch, we actually ended up finishing second at the Tour Championship, which is that was that Daniel Allen at the time. We ended up finishing ninth on the money list. So, um, it was a pretty good feeling. That was a lot of fun that night. Yeah. <laughs> what what I can remember of it. <laughs> hey, probably, very- probably not as good as when you guys won in twenty thirteen. Yeah, that we'll, we'll get uh, well, yeah, we gotta get into that. that one uh, for a we'll, little later. We'll a celebration, that was, uh, Mike. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting evening there, morning slash morning. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun um, to get our first win there in Puerto Rico, and then because we actually started that year with uh, conditional status, so we played the previous two weeks on the um, it, then now the Corn Ferry was a nationwide at that time so we got into puerto rico on our conditional status and won to get our status back so uh that was a lot of fun changed probably both of our lives in a week very very quickly so you know i was just looking at the leaderboard to that uh, 2013 puerto rican open real quick and one shot over jordan spieth i mean that's uh not too not too shabby uh what uh I'm, i got it kind of abbreviated here but i mean was there anyone else i mean who else was chasing you that day? So we started the – it was kind of weird um, going back to the Spieth thing. We actually played with Spieth on Sunday the previous week in Columbia, in Bogota, Columbia. Um, and then he had gotten sponsors. So he didn't have any status. Or maybe – I don't think he had any status at the time. And he was debating on whether he should – because he top 25 to go to the web.com the next week or to go to the tour event. Um because with his nose, I think he had made enough the first two weeks to have to gain kind of like the conditional status on the nationwide tour. Ended up going to Puerto Rico. He finished second that week. He was four back going this Sunday. Um, we were tied with Fabian Gomez. Um, and it was, it was a strange, uh, very strange last hole. Um, we kind of drove it in the, we drove it in the right trees. We were shot back. Fabian drove it right down the middle. We hit it just up there, just short of the green, and I don't, he just didn't hit a good shot. For oh, I mean, he played beautifully all day and just hit a bad shot, got in a bad spot, and made kind of a sloppy six, and we got up and down and won the golf tournament. So it just kind of one of those things. I mean, you got to have a lot of things go right for you throughout the week to win. I mean, you know, these guys that, that play great every week, they'll tell you the same thing i mean it just was our week and it you know sure was well that that being said i mean that was right in the middle of or not i don't know what what month of the year was that when when you won uh, i think i want to say puerto rico was later then so it was either <laughs> end of february first of marches marches i think it was okay. actually in march that time that year okay gotcha because i mean this wasn't really Kucher hadn't really – not Kucher, excuse me. I was looking at the wrong file there. Spieth hadn't really ascended to major status yet. I mean, no. he, 
I mean, that's that he was maybe considered like what we consider like a lot of the young guns. And I hate to use that term, but I mean, because yeah. that's, that's pretty much half the tour right now is young guns. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's like I, I always think that was right when Spieth was blossoming, but it hadn't happened yet. I no, mean, he was just, yeah, he was just kind of coming on the scene. He So he top 10, or he finished second, top 10 in the Tampa. Um, played pretty good. He ended up getting that, making enough money to get where he could get um, unlimited sponsor exemptions that year and that's how he got it that's how he got on tour and then obviously the next year i think he won in what i think his first win was tampa or actually won the john deere he won i think he actually won the john deere later that same year yeah mm-hmm. i think it was was that well i think 13 was the year he won the john deere maybe yeah yeah i mean that, i remember that the 2013 john deere win for him but kind of like so to speak whether i was following or not put him on the map i guess because now I mean, God, I feel like this This has all happened so fast, like, as not to say it's his official rise and fall from grace, because that's what I, all anyone's talking about, God forbid. But yeah. is, I was the first probably who would ever jump off the Jordan Smith bandwagon saying, like, yeah, this happens. I mean, his win in Burkdale in 2017 was – he played a lot of good golf, but he played a lot of scary golf, too, in between some of those holes. I mean, Absolutely. So, anywho, uh, Zach, what do you got for uh, Nick? Yeah, I got I got a pretty cool story about Scott. Were you with him at the Farmers Insurance last year? Uh, yes. Okay, so this is a very how things go round. The first PGA player I ever interviewed was Scott after the third round when he made the hole out on eighteen. On eighteen, yeah. Yeah, I went up to him right after when he was coming to the putting green. He answered a bunch of questions. Great guy. Yeah, so, he's a great guy. Always oh, appreciative. Good thing you didn't bring him in to stop him from talking. Otherwise, he never. <laughs> yeah, he's a um, there, he's a jam up guy. I mean, I had a we had a ball for the time that we had together. Just we, I think we at the, at the end of the day, we both needed a little bit of change. And um, obviously, we still talk, and I'm pulling for him um, to still play good golf. And there's no hard feelings at all there. So. Yes. Yeah, so, how did you end up, or were you coaching, or were you caddying for someone before Scott, or how did you end up getting that role? I was actually, like I said, I was kind of bouncing around on the web tour. Um, I was actually caddying for a good buddy of mine, um, Josh Broadway, the cross-handed bandit. <laughs> oh, that's. Oh right. yeah. I forgot his last name. That's right. Yeah. So I was caddying oh. for him, and um, he he was bringing his old caddy back, and. Um, Brownie had just him and his caddy had split it, split the week before, so it just was divine timing. That's kind of how it works, getting jobs now. Even still to this day, is being the right place, right time. I think that's a little bit of everything in the world. <laughs> I'd say Mark Hubbard has a solid um, first place for top Twitter handle and homeless hubs, but yeah, cross-handed bandit. That that is a nice nickname right there. I love that. That's him. Josh Bottle, no, look him up. You know Nolan, why he, they call him that, right? Uh, putts cross-handed, or did he... Plays cross-handed. Plays cross-handed. Oh, no, wow. no. Anyone, anyone can just swap it on the on the flat stick there. I mean... Yeah, I don't it, know if he was, like, maybe one of the first prominent cross-handed putters or something, but that's impressive. It was, well, this, it was an impressive thing to see. I mean, it was, I mean, smashes it, too. Oh, there's there's hella transfer to impact if you were like crossing. I'm not recommending anybody who listens to this because every single time I've witnessed it and every single story I've heard has ended in disaster. But 
<laughs> yes, Josh was the one that I thought that that I mean, and then I've seen some I've seen some college kids now. Ever since Matt Wolf's come out of Oklahoma State, it's like everyone's coming out with a funky grip or a funky stance from everywhere. And I mean, even my driver's stance is different a little bit. But needless to say, you can't really fault anything. Whatever works works. It's just there, there's more shitty of us golfers out there to make it not work, and then there's only one happy Gilmore out there that can. I mean, does it yeah, make I mean, it as a caddy at all? Does it change anything having such a unique player? Um, not not really, no. I mean, the guy flushed it. Um, I mean, absolutely flushed it. I mean, um, it, it just he struggled with the putter a little bit, if anything. I mean, so, I mean, he was there. He had a couple really good chances to get his card and just barely missed out. Um, but he, he Mondayed in a couple times. He's actually retired now. Did he put um, cross-handed? He putted left-handed. Yeah, come on. What else can you do? cross-handed, would it have been putting normal? That's correct. So it, uh, so yeah. it would have been normal left normal left-handed putting. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, but <tell> me, <laughs> normal left-handed putting. Tell me, he's yeah. like right-handed dominant, though, right? Is he like? Yes. <laughs> Everything was right-handed. Play oh cross-handed, put it left-handed. <laughs> he's got all sorts of wires crossed, man. That's he cool. had it go all going on. <laughs> hey, so well, so to speak. There's like we're, we're. I believe me. Like I told you guys, I've always been trying to seek out that symmetrical swing, a la Ernie Els or whatever. But you know what? You just we have to live with the physical limitations and things that we got. And who's to say whatever doesn't work? And people say, see Jim Furyk, flip to that page. What works for you? I mean, that's just watching Matt Wolf messes my game up. But I mean, I'm very happy to like watch him play well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. we, we actually played with him Sunday in the final play – or Saturday in the final playoff – or first playoff event last year. And oh, it's, okay. uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, once I think once he learns a little bit – like, uh, sorry, what happened there? Oh, you're still good. All right. oh, you're I think once he, once he kind of gets the tour life down and learns, like, you know, the kind of ropes, he's going to be the next – one of the next superstars for sure. Yes. He's got a, ton, got a ton of game. Is he 21 um, yet? Like he's, or like he must have turned 21 recently because I remember when he won, he was one of the youngest players at under 21. Yeah, he's right there. It's not. I mean, it's basically what Spieth was when right when he got, you know, 20, 21 in that in that ball game. But there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a ton of talent in those shoes. So, I mean, over time you can't. It's it's going to come out. I mean, he may. He may be a guy that may miss four or five cuts in a row and then win two times in a row. I don't know. I mean, that's yet to be seen. But I think I think he's going to be going to have a multi, probably at least a ten win career. I would guess would be my minimum. Well, that okay. that's all litmus test to me that makes you a Hall of Famer. I mean, you don't necessarily yeah. have to win a career, but if you win ten tour events, you're technically a Hall of Famer because not everybody has won ten tour events, and those who yeah. have maybe won a lot more than that so yeah yeah i think i think he's definitely gonna be a hall of famer then i mean it's there's a lot of lot too many good things going on there i mean that's killer takes us to get a get a hot putter one i mean any given week and he's gonna be there see, Which, see, I mean, you could say that you could say that about 90 percent of the guys too though so that's the refrain see everybody take it from somebody who's inside the ropes that's our behind the scenes in golf for you uh laymen out there and lay women but like that's it's the, the reason why tiger was so hot i always said is because he was the hottest putter for the longest so to speak while he was striking the ball well i mean usually the best putter always wins not the consistently most best putter because brad faxon doesn't have any majors 
But needless to say, just whoever's rolling the rock best while everything else is going their way. I mean, hell, that's why Spieth was hot for when he was hot. I mean, I mean, oh, who, no, who I putted mean, better when Jordan Spieth was putting good? And I'm not even a Spieth fan. I just you got to recognize greatness when it's happening. I mean, when Spieth was going on his run, I mean, he made more 20 footers than a lot of people ever make in their careers. I mean, he lived all. I mean, I mean, it's not to say that he wasn't hitting the ball good. I mean, obviously, he's still shooting 15, 20 under par, but he was making it from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You go back and, you know, you look at the putts he made at the U.S. Open or, like like you said, the putt he made at Burtondale after he hit the wayward shot on the par five. The next hole he makes uh, well, a 30-footer. Yeah, but that 30-footer was from him almost canning it for an ace. And then yeah. and it, like, guts by the whole 30 feet. And then he, like, right. drilled that motherfucker. I mean, oh, my God. It was it, it was, safer it was than, like, that m- mistake. It was, like, his tournament to lose just because, like, the gods are smiling upon him. And it really – busted my onions because I wanted Matt Kuchar to win so bad because I don't think Matt Kuchar has a lot of sand left in the bottle in terms of how these young guns are coming up. And it's like, oh, hey, Jordan, I'm going to go fuck off for a second because you're going to win tons more majors and let Matt Kuchar get his one right now, please. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The the thing about it is um, I don't know how much, like, I mean, Kevin Kizer is one of my good friends, and, like, he's very honest with the media. And, like, somebody – I remember somebody asking him last year about the – it might have been the tour junkies or somebody like that, but they asked him, like, what his chances were with the major venues this coming year. And he's like, well, Augusta, that's about a 20th. Um, where was he? Pebble Beach, maybe got a chance at Pebble. PGA at uh, Beth Page, no chance. I mean, I, love got, yeah, I think I heard that. He's I mean, conceded that he cannot possibly win at the U.S. Open. Well, the, 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 thing, is, the thing is with the majors now, they – the way they set them up outside of Augusta with the length in them, it's set up for 10 to 15 guys to win. I mean, yeah. if somebody <clears throat> like the year that Kiz was leading, uh, what, two or three years ago in Charlotte, he was plus like nine strokes gained from T to green. He was like four shots better. And he had like a one shot lead over Justin Thomas and those guys. I mean, he couldn't have hit it any better for three days and he's one up where these guys hit it. The same he had hit it, they'd have been five or six up just based off length and the, you know, the big difference in an eight iron and a five iron. So what do you suggest, Nick? Do you do you want them to tighten up fairways and lengthen rough or something like that to kind of hone that? Yeah, in? I mean, well, I mean, the games, I mean, the games move so much in the past, even just the five, last five to seven years. I mean, I mean, you look at these like last week, seventy-seven hundred yards. I mean, I mean that's your U.S. Open setup now. With I mean the U.S. Open, which are going back to some traditional golf courses coming up, but the U.S. Open. I mean, look at Aaron Hills. I mean, it was a bomber's paradise. I mean, Kepka hit it all over. I mean, he obviously hit it straight, but I mean, seventy-seven hundred-yard golf course. He broke the scoring record. Yeah. I mean, you you know. You go to Pebble Beach last year. I mean, no penalty. Just, no penalty for the driver. You can just rock it. I mean, like yeah. you said, he's hitting it straight, but, I mean, he had it in his hand because he knew he could miss. Well, there's no, there, there's no pen, there's not as much penalty for those guys when they hit it 350 in the rough. That's, and when they miss, is why – I mean, it's always been my theory of last week at Torrey Pines with Tiger is the further offline you hit it, the better chance you got to get a good lie because you're in the crowd. You're not – your people where people's walking, where the golf carts have been riding, it's all trampled down. Yeah, our guy Seabass was talking about that too. <laughs> you hit it a foot off the fairway and you can't hardly find it. 
hit it outside the ropes and you can hit a three iron on the green. I mean, yeah, as, as Nolan just alluded to, we just had a uh, Sebastian Kaplan on the show uh, two nights ago, drop the podcast. Yeah. And, and he was describing exactly what you're talking about, which is something us common friggin' golfers are never going to like uh, ever fathom. And, and I'm not even talking about like backstopping off a of grandstand folks or taking a, a free drop. I'm never referring to that. What I'm referring to is when we play these courses, there's not something there to stop our ball. So when I cook it over the green, it's probably going to go an extra 50 yards because it didn't have anything to hit. That's what and I've been saying. Make a new shot. No, I know that's what you're saying. Zach. No, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'd be shooting so well. I play as if I'm on the tour. So really, <laughs> all my scores from this point should be discarded. I'd give myself a 72. Well, I can dig that. I can definitely dig that. Mental game. 72 is not going to cut it on tour. Sorry, Zach. Well, <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, well, I mean, a perfect example is um, you're talking about going back, saying like the hot putter, like Leishman hit three out of 14 fairways on Sunday. Huh. Yeah. Oh, seven under yeah. par, but he was plus or, yeah, hell yeah, five, and a half, five and a half strokes game putting. I mean. That's one of the craziest right? statistical rounds, I think, like ever. To just yeah, I mean, he made, he made dominate. every we, putt that he needed to make. All I mean. The thing about those putts and going like those twenty footers that species make, and those par putts where there's such momentum, like moving to the next hole. Like instead of the you know down feeling, of, man, I just made a silly bogey or I just hit two great shots and missed a four footer. There's just so much built momentum and to keep it going and how you can shoot sixty five at the South Course at Torrey Pines. I remember the first time I walked that golf course in 2012, and I'm like, I don't know how you shoot under par here. And we tee off and we play Thursday and Pat Perez shot, I think, six or seven under that day. And I'm like, how is that possible? Like, it's not <laughs> even possible. I mean, I call it the hardest non-trouble golf course that I've ever seen. I mean, there's really only yeah, like two holes that, that have any, like, major trouble on them. Four, you got a little pond on 18. But, I mean, technically, it's really not that much. Oh, no. 18 doesn't count unless you really screw it up. Like, like yeah. we would. Not a professional golfer, whether they're going for it in two or the layup, nobody goes in that pond. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you only got really two or three holes that you really hit it in trouble outside of the rough. I mean, so, but it's a brutal golf course. No, I can, I can dig that. I mean, that's that's uh, everyone who's probably heard this podcast is already tired of me hearing it. But Nick, what I like to say is because I've lived in Southern California for many years and like not everyone gets the ocean views or like the ocean cliffs. So it's like California golf really pimps that a lot. They really do. That's how they upcharge their like greens fees and like their whole prestige. Yeah. And, but that's why I also like Torrey Pines is not a regular tour stop. I like that as a major, like a U.S. open venue. Hell yeah. You want to make a long, difficult, boring course. Torrey Pines is your quintessential U.S. open course. It's got great to roll on. I mean, yeah, for as much as I like to hate on Torrey, it would make a spectacular U.S. Open venue as it has. I mean, as it will this year. I think the U.S. Open's at Torrey this year. Wait, can, can someone back that up? Or, I mean, I don't have that in front of me. Torrey. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is because I think they said that um, they've already made the changes. Isn't that, um, whistling? Isn't that whistling Straits? I think it's or? at Whistling. That's what I – we know the Ryder Cups at Whistling, you jabronis. Oh, <laughs> uh, PGA is at PGA is at Wingfoot. Harding, Wingfoot, yeah. Wingfoot's the U.S. Open this year. Yeah, I think okay. Tory's coming. I think Tory's coming right back up, though. It is. It's 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 within the next few years for sure. Yeah. I remember that on the on the next uh, rotunda because the last one was 08, wasn't it? I mean, when uh, when Tiger won on one wheel. So that's right. Nolan, is that correct? 
Correct. This might be a very a very bad question from the least involved in playing as a professional golfer. Uh, why is there a rotation of courses? Um, I, I think with the U.S. Open, it's just it's strictly to me is to showcase some of the best golf courses. And it's a fine, it's such, I think it's a financial thing in my opinion. I mean, when you move it every year, you get a different demographic with it being a major, I mean, you know, our normal weeks, you know, Monday, Tuesday, you don't, you know, outside of this week and maybe Hilton Head, Charlotte, I mean, other than Bay Hill Memorial, you know, you're really big non-major tour events. You don't really see anybody, and then majors, you show up on Monday, and, I mean, it's like like a Thursday at most events, if not not even more. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're, ten, what, 10 or – they usually do 10 or 12 years out, and, I mean, they've, they're planning – I think they have people on the ground starting within, like, four years, if I'm not mistaken. I might – don't yeah. quote me exactly mm-hmm. on that. But there's people so you're, there – like, You're close to that, Nick, yeah. Have you been to all four? To get the transportation. Because, like, at Torrey, I know that they actually use the north course for parking and the actual – and the driving range is the north course instead of the actual driving range that's at Torrey now because the driving range at Torrey is horrible. It's probably yeah. one of the worst. There and Sony are the two worst driving ranges on tour. Oh, Sony, um, no kidding. Oh, the driving range at Sony is, I mean, just a makeshift. I mean, it's about – 240 yards long about oh about i don't know 25 yards wide with nets and then they got two cranes in the back that hold nets up and the wind's always always down i mean they 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 have to lose more range balls than anybody on tour wow shout out wildlife good work i mean geez louise I, <laughs> I've, I've been to tory many times i lived in san diego for years and uh being a veteran i got free tickets through govx.com and all veterans go to govx.com where you live you can get tons of great cheap tickets but needless to say, I would go to Torrey Pines. I'd get 10 free tickets every year. And I would uh, I'd go to the – I mean, I used to work the range sometimes way back in the day. And uh, and that was uh, – I always remember looking at going, like, I hope this isn't the representation of all the driving ranges in the PGA Tour because this looks yeah. like Riverwalk down south of here. I mean, it's just – Well, I mean, yeah. I mean I, I mean, I was there um, last week for the first part of the week just kind of scrounging around talking to some people saying, um, but I mean, they've got it blocked off where you can't even really like watch the guys like hit balls warming up and everything. Like, whereas like, I just, I use Charlotte cause I, cause I'm from right here. And, but I mean, you know, they got a big grandstand just like Augusta that sits right back there. I mean, a lot of people don't even just want to sit and watch guys, all guys hit balls. Cause they don't even necessarily want to go on the golf course. So, I mean, Enjoyable. it sucks when you don't have a driving range that you can, that allows that like, they're the wasted management this week. I mean, <laughs> you oh, mean that's the one that you want people away from yet. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, Nolan, uh, get ready. I'm going to tease it right here. Pick your best question you got for Nick while I do a little housekeeping because at this point of the show, we'd like to bring up to your attention, folks, that we are brought to you by Sports Travel Radio Podcast Network where you can find – God, they don't have too many podcasts, but they got something for everybody, and we are happy to be one of them. And also, please go visit my boy Crazy's website, gorsegolf.com, for head covers. He doesn't pay us for this stuff. I just do it out of the goodness of my heart. I want to get some custom gear from him. I'm starting to think about it, guys. Like, we could probably get some from the back tees uh, head covers from him, and they will be some legit work. But uh, they're half the price of the 
of a Seamus Akbar's stuff. So, um, or I'm sorry, Seamus Akbar Chisty. That's his uh, full name. But uh, he makes $100 head covers. I'm pretty sure Crazy makes $50 head covers, and that's what's great about them. And if you happen to want to send us any questions on the podcast, please send them to ftbtpodquestions at gmail.com. Again, that's ftbtpodquestions at gmail.com. And be sure to say hi to the NSA for us because they're always watching. So, Nolan, what do you got for Nick? Yeah, I mean, I got a couple questions I'd love to ask Nick, but uh, let's let's go off track a little here. And uh, we we know you're a big college football guy. Um, yeah. So give me a, give me a rundown. I am a, unfortunately an Oregon State Beaver. So that is not unfortunate, Beaver hey, Nation. I'm getting there. <laughs> We're <laughs> We're on the upwards trajectory right now. I mean, no, they're rock- never unless it's baseball or gymnastics or cross country. They're never on an upwards trajectory. Come on, all take that back. We hit rock bottom last year. We uh, were projected. We hit rock like- bottom in '04. Okay, and what? We're still there? No. Take that back. <laughs> are we still? Are we talking football at least? Not women's yeah. basketball. I'm serious <laughs> though. Man, can you stop? <laughs> <laughs> we were we two and a half. Half wins was our over-under. We smashed that over. So, you can cool off. Anywho, what's your – okay, who's your who's your college football team that you just, like, ride and die for? And what's your take on the college football playoff? Are you on team expansion, get m- maybe more like eight teams in that playoff? Or what's your take on that? Okay. Um, I've actually had a rough few years, too. I'm a Florida State fan. Oh, no. Willie Taggart's not treating you well? Yeah, I don't think Slick Willie made it too long. He's (laughs) gone a little south south of Tallahassee now. You have acres as your running back. Um, What? The Canadian knew that. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's been a – but I've been a Florida State fan since I was five. I actually um, went to Clemson, Florida State, and Clemson – with my next door neighbor and met Bobby Bowden at a FCA breakfast and uh, he spoke and I'm like, I'm just going to start pulling for that guy's team. I like him. I love Florida state because they beat uh U of O in the title game, right? A couple. Uh, no. They beat, they lost to them once in the semifinal game. Oh, yeah. Auburn beat U of O in the title game. And Ohio State, I think. And, and, right. and, <laughs> and. Man, oh, I don't man. know. Hey, I loved famous Jameis when he was there, though. I have a Florida State jersey. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody needs a few, few crab legs. I mean, it didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude, speaking of, like, what? He's oh, a vet. He, he's no, a what happened to him, man? Why is he yeah, throwing wait, so many quick, picks? Nick, Nick, can you please tell uh, Zach the crab leg story? Please. I know the crab leg story. I'm a huge Saints wow. fan, so any chance we get to rip on famous oh. Jameis, we take it. Oh, oh man, he just went into Publix and the little girl gave him crab legs. It wasn't his fault. <laughs> what was he supposed to do? <laughs> could you blame the guy? <laughs> I, never oh, thought, I never thought I'd laugh or think about James. He was just having a good time. Oh, my God. Oh, he was um, a hot topic this year. His whole – I mean, he's going 30 for 30 on the yeah. touchdown ratio. I, mean, I don't know <laughs> what he's more, more than just a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, have they even – I haven't followed much. I don't 
I don't watch a ton of NFL, so I don't follow it much. Have they did they re-sign him or? Well, evidently, him? evidently, Philip Rivers has moved to Florida, which means he's going to try to quarterback for a team down there in Tampa. Yeah, he hasn't been signed yet. Winston. Well, I mean, he, if they sign him, he's going to throw thirty interceptions too. I mean, he's the same thing. <laughs> hey, hey, take him from a former Chargers fan, Nick yeah. line, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not and, to uh, mention the Gamecock too. So I mean, that's nearby. You you know his repartee. I mean. Yeah. No, he's a wolf. He's an NC State. Oh guy. no, no, I'm sorry. He's Wolfpack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. My bad. Oh God, I just said he's wrong state. state. Oh, I saw Myrtle Beach on the brain. Oof. That's close enough. I mean, it's only a couple hours. Yeah, it's um, not much. My bad. To answer the <laughs> to answer the second question, I kind of like four teams. I think I think when you get to pushing it to eight, I think certain years like this year is a prime example. I mean, there was obviously three teams that were better than everybody else: Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. And then it kind of fell off. Um, and past years, you probably could have could have gotten away with um, with eight. I think if I think if you talk to SEC fans, they're going to want eight because the SEC West is so strong. And then whoever plays in the title game, just like Alabama Georgia two years ago, I mean, whoever loses is out. I mean, and because they're not going to set it up to where the SEC, those two teams are one and four and play again in the semifinal. It's just not going to happen. So. It like sucks kind of for the SEC because, you know, I mean, I'm not really SEC homer even living in SEC country, but, I mean, they've had the best teams the past few years, unfortunately. <laughs> he's right. No, he's absolutely right. That's that's why, like, maybe we need to expand because, God forbid, uh, all you other conferences. That's why I love the Pac-10. I still call it that. They they beat each other up so much mediocrely that when it comes to time to, like, for them to go in a bowl game, they, 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 can't, they can't rise. I mean – and, and God forbid, if we have an 18 playoff and five of those teams are from the SEC, are those the best five teams? Last time I checked, sports was about mere freaking autocracy. So what are we? What, what, what are we even talking about here? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to go to eight teams. I don't think they're going to add two more games. To be honest with you, it, it would be schedule wise tough to do. Not to mention, like the whole point was to play 11 games and then maybe play your conference championship and then maybe play a bowl game if you're that good. That's 13 games. Now with this playoff system as we have it, like the best team has to play 15. Some kids are sitting out for these games now too. Because, I was going mean, to say, if you add games to the playoff, I feel like a lot of kids are going to start sitting out. No, you're right. You're right. I was just – that's why I'm a humble uh, – At least I would. They might a, <laughs> Let's be real. Three of, three of those games are cupcake games where you're playing, you know, the – Sister school of the poor and whatever. Two. Uh, two. One Citadel. Everyone gets Citadel, first of all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah, like – Get some cupcakes, but, I mean, that's to get your fans in. That's homecoming. And homecoming. That. Thank yeah. you. He said it. That's the homecoming game. Exactly. Yeah. Guaranteed win. I like, yeah. six, I like six playoff teams, to be honest. You get one from each power five and then one at large, and then the top two teams get a bye. You, your at-large team is Notre Dame. Just say it. <laughs> yeah, the only problem with that is, I mean, if you have, you know, a, a conference, you know, take it like the ACC. I mean, if Clemson was down, like, I mean, would, who would you take out of there? I mean, who would you put in there even though they – I mean, like – You know, that's – that's a, he actually – you know what? Let's change this to a college football podcast real quick. Nick brings up a very, very, very good question because I – I know Clemson is very good, and I subscribe to them winning a ton now, but ultimately I always look to them going like, yeah, where in the hell did they come from? And if they weren't leading a conference, who would be representing? What do you got, Nick? 
Well, I mean, I mean, you look at they played Virginia this year. I mean, so you put Virginia in the playoff. I mean, I'm not knocking on Virginia, but they're not even going. They're not going to beat Oregon. They're not going to beat Utah. I was going to say, are we still going to beat football? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not going to beat Ohio State. They're not going to beat LSU. I mean, they're not even going to give them a game. I mean, it's basically a homecoming game. If you I, so, I think. I think the only thing, if you if you moved it to six, I actually don't mind the six idea. I like the six better than the eight. You give the top two teams a bye. The problem with that is, is if you have a conference that has a down year throughout the conference, whether it's the ACC, uh, Big Ten, whoever, that team maybe shouldn't necessarily get in. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I think you run into that. Yeah, I think you, you could run into you could run into teams that were better than them that aren't getting in the playoff because they've solidified a spot for these these top conferences. Which I mean, more than likely that wouldn't happen. But say Clemson has Trevor Lawrence and somebody else get hurt, and next thing you know they're nine and three instead of twelve and zero, oh, and then what? You know, exactly. I think it's right right now, and I think for the last few years they've gotten it right on who's gotten in. I mean, this year was the easiest year they've had. I mean, it was. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, this year was the easiest year they've had to do it. But look, I'm I'm born and raised Oregon, and I like to gaslight U of O all the time. And I I have a a, a large swath of uh, Wisconsin followers on Twitter, and I love all you guys. A uh, big shout out to you guys. But I definitely preemptively that bowl game uh, did not go in uh, the favor of that I, the, where I was trying to lean it in terms of just like hey or well, needless to say that was it was a good bowl game, but I mean. I don't know. The, the, the mistakes were made at the wrong time, and that's how, what, what comes down to execution and how you win a football game, and that's also how golf is too, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Absolutely. Zach, what uh, you got anything for uh, Nick right now? Uh, I, got a, I got a question that we've been discussing a lot recently with this new uh, golf league. What are your thoughts on it, and do you think it's possible that it will actually work out? I hadn't – I've just – just briefly, I've seen that. To be honest with you, um, so I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know the whole details. Um, I think. I think you're seeing a little bit of that already. Um, it's just not that league. I mean, you got a lot of big names that are not in Phoenix this week. They're in Saudi Arabia because guess what? You got paid to go. I mean, we played with an individual in Hawaii two years ago that went to, was going to Saudi Arabia because he was going to make more for being there than if he won the golf tournament. Ooh, crazy. So I, 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 you know, I not to assume anything, but I think your casual golf observer definitely understands that. Whether they want to bring that up as like a, a, a debate issue or not, I mean, is all for whatever their feel and their underpants that they want to get upset about. But needless to say, Nick, let me ask you, in terms of this, like, we'll just call it New Golf League, I mean, or, like, New Golf Tour or whatever. I mean, how do you how do you see it going? We got Nolan here, who's our Tiger writer, and our big consensus is here, I would say, on a semi-unified front, is that it all depends on what Tiger does. We're not even going to hint that he's going to go to that tour, per se, but obviously what he chooses to do is going to mean a lot. But who? how do you think this tour can work? The only, the only chance I got to work is you got to have Tiger – you gotta have Phil. You gotta have DJ. You gotta have Kepka. You like gotta all have the, all the. All you've the got teams. to have. You've got to have a majority of them move. Want to move toward there? I don't think. I don't think you're gonna. I think the only one. If you, just one of them win, if Tiger went, maybe. The rest of them, if just one of them goes, it's not gonna happen. I mean, man, the power of Tiger. 
<laughs> oh no, there's no, hey, there's no ignoring the power of Tiger. I mean, Nick I Lewis, mean, it's incredible. It's not even. A, it's not even. There's nobody that's even close. I mean, I was trying. We really played with Tiger. We played with Phil. It's not even close. Wow. So, exactamente. And I was trying to bring this up a couple of days ago, where I'm trying to find a good sports comparison to like this new golf tour, and I feel like it might be like the ABA, where it's just like, yeah, the ABA yeah. had. Some star power. It had Dr. J for crying out loud, and they did absorb some teams in the NBA. But overall, the ABA didn't have any money, and the little bit that they have, they didn't use properly. And in the end, after like doing really good for several years, they they inevitably folded. And so, not to say we do or don't want to see that happen. And I'm and I, as I said a couple days ago, we're trying not to compare this to like the XFL versus the NFL because to me, one's legitimate and one's a novelty, at least in this person's opinion. But needless to say. I like seeing a new tour crop up just for sake of like not parody, but just like diversity. I mean, just like something that like has different tour stops, different purses, different formats. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that could could really draw people in with uh, the different formats. I haven't read. I mean, I haven't read up on it. I mean, are they? Is it something they're going to have like 20, 25 events, thirty events? Have they have they really said well, the or anything? I'll let I'll let Nolan and Zach take away these other bullet points. But the only things I can vouch for is they're talking about like uh, three rounds instead of four, and like a limited field tournaments, so like 45, 50 people, and also them being limited fields, higher purses, just to make it like I don't know. It yeah. starts. To sound, I don't. I, I don't want to. Like I said, I don't want to tilt it towards professional wrestling, but that's I. That's how we always treat these spinoffs. So uh, Zach, Nolan, what do you guys got? Yeah, it's uh, it's all speculation still. I mean, there's no like real solid, concrete official reports. But you're you're right. That's what's rumored is 48 player fields, no cut, 54 holes, guaranteed purses. Of- oh, so you're gonna say Ricky Fowler's gonna win every tournament? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not playing Sunday. They... No, it's not just Sunday. Like I said, it's he's a good three-round player, just one of those rounds. He used to be one of those nines, but now it's back to one of those 18s. He just omits. So, and there's also um, – oh, what what was I going to say? Yeah, the whole team aspect they were talking about, about how like there's like a captain of a team, and at the end there's a, a team championship where you can get even more money. It's apparently backed by some international bankers, maybe some oil money from the Middle East. So, easy. Right. Oh, my God. Easy, buddy. <laughs> this is- well, uh, so, I guess, I guess my biggest question would, is going to be, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys don't have the answer for this because it's all speculation. So, if it's 48-man fields, how do you fill the field? I mean, do you go off the world ranking and take the top 48 guys? One week you may have. You might go to 56 one week. You may go to 200. I mean, you know, I got kind of a half answer for you, Nick, and I, I wanted to tweet this today, but I didn't. I felt like I was only going to misarticulate it and turn into something like controversial or political or international. But I wanted to compare it somehow to like uh, basketball in China, where it's just like, like you when you go over there, it's like, guess what? You're committing to going over there and playing there for X amount of years that you signed for. And guess what? Other than maybe some uh, glad handing tours, you're playing in there and for there, which means wherever this tour is going, you're playing for this tour. I mean, back when yeah. WCW and WWF existed, they, they didn't cross promote until they wound up becoming the same company. It's like you did not really uh, PJ tour. And that's why these players have to really commit to one tour or the other. And that's the only way it's going to work is because you have to play this one tour and that's it. Yeah. So, and then we don't want it to be a sideshow, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think where where you could maybe because it's obviously still in speculation, so you're at least a couple years out. I think where you could maybe get that. I mean, where you're going to lose Tiger is obviously he's going to break um, was it Snead's record, 
Oh, or, oh yeah. yeah. So, but he's still chasing. He's still chasing Jack's record. I know Phil's on Twitter talking about dropping bombs. He's not going on the Champions Tour. <laughs> so I can see maybe those guys going if something like that started going to there instead of the Champions Tour. But at the end of the day, I don't think the PGA Tour is going anywhere. I mean, there's way too much money to be made on the PGA Tour, to be honest with you. So let me play let me play devil's advocate to you real quick here. So um, Tiger, his only – once he breaks Sam Snead's record, once he gets to 83, he has that record. You can still – you could play on this premier world tour and still play major golf championships because they're not associated with the PGA Tour. Right. So Tiger could still pursue his Jack Nicholas record while making yeah. buku bucks on this new this new tour, and apparently, like they're they're potentially offering stake in the in the tour, so he'd be like part owner. I mean, yeah. Tell me, Tiger doesn't want his own tour. That sounds pretty sweet. But just to kind of stop you right there, he's also they offered him four million dollars to go to Saudi Arabia this week, and he's in Jupiter, Florida. I mean. That's Tiger Woods is not worried about. Yeah, I was gonna say timeout. You know, he doesn't need four mil just because he needs does or doesn't need four mil. It's Tiger Woods, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, but but what? But get, going back to that point where I was talking earlier, I mean, you got Phil that went to Arizona State, that's played in Phoenix pretty much every year, and he's in Saudi Arabia this year. I mean, and moving to Florida. I mean, well, he should have done that years ago. He'd be he'd have triple the money he's got now. Yeah, but um. I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's obviously he's not in Saudi Arabia. I mean, in my opinion, over there to play. I mean, he's over there collecting his two or three, yeah. four million that they're paying him. And if, he, if I finish, if I win, or I mean, I think the. I mean, I don't think the winner even makes a million over there this week. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know about the purse either. No one yeah. even talks about the prize money. It's yeah. so clear they're getting paid. I'm pretty sure that they said they had 20 – I heard through the grapevine they had 15 to 20 million paid out in uh, appearance fees. Wow. Oh, that, no, that actually – I mean, that sounds budget, in a budgetary sense uh, right on. So, um, so the other interesting angle about the, the new tour would be they can – so we were talking about how do you decide who's in it, right? So their goal is to be – have these 48 players contracted for the entire season. Right. And then they recycle through who's the next top 48 the following year. So they they are guaranteeing fields for these tournaments, whereas PJ Tour guys yeah, – where, where you where you run into a problem there is you got guys that don't have, like, credential tour status. So if you don't have wins where you got to keep your card every year, are you going to take the chance and go play a year over here and lose your PJ Tour status and have to try to get it back? Mm-hmm. Just because yeah. you went to chase the money of this so-called lucrative, say you have a bad year on this lucrative tour, you get recycled out, and then you're sitting there after a year with nothing. Exactly. Yeah. It's all, it's so you're, you're middle of the road guys that you know you're 80 plus in FedEx every year. I don't think you know unless they've won a couple times, you know, like Brendan Todd just did, where he's got, or if he wanted to run off for a year and then come back, he's got still going to have status when he comes back. Guys aren't going to run just to chase the money for a year. No, that's that, with that's nothing a, that, guaranteed. I appreciate you saying that because that's that's very true and very honest and very uh, salient uh, according to everything. And uh, yeah, I think you're uh, definitely spot on with that. Um, we're approaching the near the end of the podcast, and by that I mean 
it's still 10, 15 minutes away. But that being said, uh, real quick, Zach, I just want to know, yes or no question, do you have a Canadian fun fact for us? I do. Okay, so, all right, well, uh, chamber that for a second. Um, you got your Canadian fun fact, and I'll give you one more question for Nick, and Nolan, I'll give you one more question for Nick. And uh, real quick, I just want to address something that I said we address on the uh, on the pod. Uh, I recently, yes, put up a poll saying who's uh, least likable. I didn't even say on tour or whether it was on the red carpet or whatever. And I said Sergio Garcia, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, and Ricky Fowler. To the dozens and dozens of you who probably aren't listening right now who uh, really wind your asses off about why I put Ricky Fowler on there, this is the only amount of calories I'm going to spend on how your sense of humor dictates how we shouldn't have any interaction humanly together. So glad you're still on Twitter. You'll probably quit soon out of the goodness of your heart or somebody else telling you to, and you should. So before you guys get to your questions, I have my one caddy question for Nick real quick from a fellow uh, brother Seamus and Jock here. Nick, what is one piece of caddy-related gear? It could be socks to a certain brand of lip balm, or like Reed told us, he carries a compass, not like the one used for geometry, the one that you use for Boy Scouts. <laughs> What's one piece of gear that you would say that you carry? I'm starting to get famous at Band Dunes, actually. I carry a laser pointer. Not a couple caddies do to like point out lines, highly illegal, but it's very lazy and we like it. But I've noticed a uh, uh, public service announcement, everybody. Crows, who are very nice, smart birds, don't like laser pointers. It's not that they think that they're being hunted by them or whatever. I thought a smart crow would play with a laser pointer. They flew off and they didn't come back. Usually crows are hard up and they will keep pestering you if you have food. These sons of bitches left the second I pointed <laughs> up the pointer right in front of them in the ground. And I'm on to something here. So if I have any impact to make on the caddy world for life, I'm the laser pointer guy. Nick, what's one tendency or piece of clothing or tradition or piece of gear that you is like your thing that you will never like do without, or that's yours. Um, that's kind of funny. Um, umbrella. Umbrella. Um, umbrella. I always kept the umbrella in the bag, except for maybe Palm Springs. Um, oh. Got caught. Got caught early in my career in San Francisco on a Bluebird Wednesday morning pro am, and two hours later, it's raining sideways, and so I said I would never get soaked again or let my golf pro get soaked again. So, See, guys, that's a simple, humble, salt-of-the-earth answer in that, like, it might be a couple extra ounces, and I always say every ounce counts, but all you have to do is be caught once in a load of shit, and it makes you, like, like, like always wear two pairs of socks or always, like, do something where it's just like, nope, yeah. I'm not going to have this ever happen ever again. And, unfortunately, at Bandon Dunes, uh, umbrellas are just uh, $100 down the drain out there. Yeah. They never work. So, um, uh, and then my – and then back in my so go back to your I'll go I'll give you one for your club my club caddy in days, is I always had three tubes of chapstick. Why three? When the wind's blowing twenty five miles an hour left or right, and you got a guy that slices at twenty five miles an hour. He needs some chapstick. <laughs> Do you guys know what he's talking about? On the knuckle ball. balls, straight knuckle balls, right down the middle of the fairway. Yeah, I've like... always been so tempted to do that, but I haven't yet. I just I forget because I'm not a cheater. But I, I I'll tell you real quick. I'll tell you a funny story. I had this guy at Ocean Course. He's just striping it with this chapstick. Well, he gets on the ninth hole and he tops one. <laughs> tops one down in the cross bunker, and I'm not really paying attention. And he walks down there and swipes driver out of the bunker. And I'm like, oh, no. He comes back, and it's just caked with sand on the face. He's like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. You must have got – it must have been wet in that sand or something. <laughs> Why was the sand just caked out of the, the bunker? Chest. That's oh, a good yeah, question. He got driver out of the bunker. 
oh god, people tell me I'm a shit caddy. Nick, what the hell? Well, I mean, when you, when you walk, when you have to walk six feet to hit it again, you might as well just try it again, right? Yes, no, it's I, my kind of caddy. Not. This is what I'm talking about. I get that, but oh my god, that's scary. Like, I... <laughs> yeah, I, I got caught that time. But yeah, chap, three always had three tubes because you know how chapstick is. You tend to misplace. It's kind of like a lighter. They, that's, they just, you know, that's... They just disappear somehow. So I always had one in my pocket that I had and then two in my bib at all times or my jumpsuit, depending on the time of year. Chapstick uh, for the 20 handicapper. Corporate golf. <laughs> no, it's Nick, Nick singing my chapstick. song. That's perfect. And it's going to rejuvenate me to uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, you don't even have to get Burt's Bees. Like everyone used to just say, put Vaseline on the club head, which is yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anything, anything, and you know, all you guys that are listening, twenty Andy Carroll playing with your buddies, want to beat them? Put a little chapstick on your driver. They don't never know you just hit bullets right down the middle of the fairway. This is what I'm gonna have to do at the golf getaway. <laughs> it's, it's easy. It's easy to untube it in your pocket, put a little on your thumb, and the next thing you know, you just swipe it on your face. Yeah, what are we promoting here? Uh, excuse me, just shift gears. Nolan, what's your question for Nick? <laughs> so, Nick, I got I got a little multiple choice for you. You can go wherever you want with this. Okay. So you said you're good uh, buddies with uh, Kisner and his caddy too. You like? Yeah. Tell me, you can tell me any sort of story you've had, you know, with a relationship with those guys, or um, and we've 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 heard you were a pretty dang good golfer before uh, this wrist injury hit you. Um, tell tell us a little about that. Maybe how your uh, golfing career was going before that turned you sideways, or uh. Um. Oh, you said you said you had a, a rowdy uh, bit of time when you and Scotty uh, won your first time. So you can give us that story either. You, you can give us all three. You can give us one. All right. Okay. I'll do. Um, I'll give you a little bit of all three. Um, we'll start in Puerto Rico. Um, so we win. Um, one of my buddies and uh, Boo Weekly were standing behind the green when we finished. Uh, I was handed a beer very quickly. <laughs> um, Scott went and did all his obligations, whatnot. So we went and had a few more, and then I met back up with Scott. And we, uh, he was like, "Man, I'm tired. I'm flying out early. I'll have a couple of beers with you, and I'm going to order pizza and go to bed." I was actually staying with Scott that night. So at the hotel in Puerto Rico, I tended to have a maybe a little bit too much of a good time, but at that time, I didn't care. Well, I was walking back, walking back to the hotel room, and. Uh, was reminded that I didn't have a flight home the next morning yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so well into the early in the morning, I uh, finally get me a flight book and make the flight and I get on the shuttle bus and I sit down and I'm not really paying attention. I'm just wanting to get to the hotel in Tampa at the time. So I just go back to bed and I sit down beside Rich Lerner and he kind of looks at me and he's like, big night. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, who you caddy for? And I'm like, Scott Brown. He says, as you should. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, needless to say, um, that's how that night was. And then we had a we had a pretty big Monday night actually in Tampa when we got there as well. Oh, fair, um, enough, fair enough. And then uh, then to go to my golf career, yeah, I had a wrist surgery in college. Um, I was a fairly decent high school player. Um, went to college at Charleston. So um, I had a root in the trees in tournament in Florida in Tallahassee at Florida state, ironically, um, that I didn't see and ruptured a tendon and wrapped a bunch of inflammation. Did it 
they had me on rehab to end up doing exploratory surgery. So that pretty much ended my, I still played my, I didn't play my last semester at college at Charleston um, for other reasons, but, um, and then I, I pretty much ended my professional go at it, I guess you could say. I mean, and I mean, to be honest with you, once I got out on tour and you watch these guys play, I mean, even as, as good as I was at the time, at that time, I don't know if I could have played. What, with what, was, what was your strength? I was always, always a great chipper and putter. Nice. I mean, still, I mean, I still I can get it around as I can now. I mean, I still have moments play, of moments Do you play golf I mean, do you play, like, recreationally or anything? Yeah, or I mean, we have a good group of guys. I actually played today with them. Um, another guy that um, that I caddy with, um, it's about an hour away. There's anywhere – they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. There's anywhere from 10 to 30 guys. And it's oh, a wow. Great, group. It's a great wow. little match, and it's – it's all two-man matches, and there's no shots given. It's all pretty good players, so it's a lot of fun. And it's light. No, like it's. I mean, it's. I mean, you can win a couple hundred bucks, lose a couple hundred bucks, but nobody's like storming out the door, slinging, you know, beer cans across the room because they lost money. So, see, guys, it's a great group of Golf in the Carolinas is beautiful. I've always heard it, and I always wanted to experience that. <laughs> And then we have our, like I said, with Finland, we have our group on Saturday and Sunday. Could have anywhere from 10 to 20. And it's just kind of a small, simple game that everybody just has a has a ball. And then we sit around and bullshit and have a few drinks and then usually go play an E9. It's an absolute disaster. And <laughs> go home and pass out. <laughs> and Perfect. then uh, Dewey Kiz stories. Um First time I met Dewey, I'd, so Kiz and I have been friends for a long – since junior golf playing up, um, playing. Um, first time I met Dewey, like two weeks before Kiz won in Pittsburgh on the Nationwide Tour. I just started working for Scott. Scott actually had a rib injury that year, so I'd already booked my flights for the next week to Salt Lake. <laughs> so I was staying with Kiz. So then we got to celebrate on Monday night for their win. We sit down at this little bar and we all order a drink. And next thing I know, Dewey orders another beer. And I'm like, I've just drank the neck out of mine and he's done. So Dewey's a pretty fast uh, beer drinker still to this day when he when he partakes now. Um, I'm trying to think of any more good Dewey stories. I'm sure I got some. Probably funny, one of the funniest kids stories. I was counting for kids. Four years ago, Dewey had a, a family emergency. I'm caddy for him in the PGA in Baltusrol. Ooh. We're playing on Friday. We're right on the cut number. We're like three or four holes to go. And I go to, I go to throw my, my cigarette on the ground, and I miss the ground and throw it in my bib and don't know it. <laughs> I think about ten steps forward. My shorts are on fire. My bib's on fire, and he's like, "This is gonna be good." I got one caddy gone for a family emergency, and the second one set himself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That <laughs> did you stop, drop, and roll right there on the course? <laughs> you didn't jump in a was, pond. Uh, got it out. Got it out quick. I mean, I had still have still have the pair of shorts to this day. I don't can't wear them much anymore because it's got about a fifty cent piece hole in it, but. The bib had a hole in it. Um, my yardage book cover was burned up. It was a. Uh, it was. It was an interesting. 
<laughs> you have no idea, Nick. I'm going to tell that story to like five different people to smoke food tomorrow at the Caddyshack at Man of Dunes because oh, yeah. a, smoker's got our, a, a, a smoker's on the course got our trials and tribulations, but you lit yourself on fire. Yeah, lit myself on fire. <laughs> Thought I threw it on the ground. <laughs> lit myself on fire as it was raining that day, too. Leave <laughs> it better. Okay, you're making this up at this point. I'm choking over your gun. <laughs> no, I'm under I'm under the umbrella, and Kiz was like, you got to get that cigarette out of the umbrella. I can't take this shit anymore. So I throw it out <laughs> into my bib. He hits the shot. I replace the divot. And I'm walking back, and I'm like, my leg feels like it's hot. He's like, you're on fire, moron. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, dang, Kiz, you hit that – you smoked that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that was – oh, my stomach hurts. I don't have to go to the gym for a month. Thank I could you. Probably do, we could probably do a whole podcast with kids' stories. Is he, like, the most nonchalant player on tour? Um, yeah, he doesn't tuck in his shirt until he's on the tee. Come on. Yeah, somewhat. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's very serious once, it, once it's time to go. But uh, I mean, like, outside I mean, of the course kind of thing. Oh, outside of the golf course. I mean, he's such a jam-up guy. I mean, we used to always go to his brother-in-law's place after the Heritage – and spend a couple of days. We started doing it um, kind of as an offset, offset joke. You know, when Spieth, <clears throat> Spieth and them did, you know, whatever, spring break, 2K7. Um, yeah. We would go out there, Scott, Kiz, Boo, myself, D-Rob, that caddy for Boo at the time. There was like eight or ten of us, and we called it Redneck Spring Break for two years. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we just have a few libations, shoot guns, get in the river fish for a couple days just have a, just kind of get away from it. it's always nice hey, sounds like the southern coast of oregon brother that's that's kind of what we do we just <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm. so real quick before we wrap everything up here uh zach do you have a question and or the canadian fun fact yes for all so uh every week on this show we do a nice canadian trivia since i'm the lone canadian and Zach is the uh, uh, whatever the acronym is for head motherfucker in charge. So Zach, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> he knows it. So we only just started keeping track of the scoring, and our only person <laughs> in the professional tour, Sebastian, came on. He got it right, so you got a lot to deal with here. But if he doesn't come on again, he's just he's a one and done. And if Nick comes on with all these caddy stories, I mean, he might be a repeat. No, Jerry, this is the brilliance behind it. If you get it right, we force you to come back on to defend your Perfect. title. And if you get it okay. wrong, we embarrass you until you come back on to improve your score. Very slick. Uh, I apologize. I render the floor to you. Okay. So the question is, the national sport of Canada is A, lacrosse, B, curling, C, hockey, or D, wrestling? Curling? Okay, are you serious? <laughs> Gotta be hockey, doesn't it? Okay, you're going with hockey, Nick. Jerry, what's your answer? Well, no, no, he asked the question. He wasn't declaring yet. Hold on, hold on. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, Nick I, I mean it almost seems like hockey's like too, like too prevalent. It's two on the like nose. It's, it's two yeah. on the nose. Hey, you guys can uh, brainstorm amongst yourselves. Oh, you guys have an individual answer. Never mind. No brainstorming. Oh, okay, then fine. I got my answer, but Nick brought up a very good point about uh, hockey's a little too obvious. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> okay, Nick, as the guest, you get the first official guess. No, wait, no, no. Guest should go last. Why not? He can change his vote. We don't know. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, guess we'll go I, last. I mean, 
I'm still going to have to go with hockey. Okay, guess first. You went with hockey. <laughs> I feel like that's not right, but I'm going All with right. hockey. Fine, Nolan, what do you got? Considering I haven't got one of these right yet, I'm going to go off the cuff and we're going to go with lacrosse. And Jerry? Uh, given what I know about lacrosse culture on the East Coast and its uh, old-fashioned heritage when it comes to the native peoples of this country, I'm going to go with lacrosse as well. The correct answer is lacrosse. Real shame. Real shame. And who on the pod has not gotten one wrong yet? Oh, Jerry. Jerry, you're amazing, man. Well, ever since you started keeping track and made a multiple choice, I guess I can't fail. (laughs) The good news for you, Nick, is uh, you have one less incorrect answer than Nolan. The bad news is you're going to have to come back on and talk for an entire hour to get your opportunity. Perfect. Jerry, I got got a question for you. Shoot. For, 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 so give me your best uh, quick caddy joke that you give your guys. Oh, God. Well, I would say it's not necessarily a joke, but it's uh, – I heard it today. Or when saying I was saying whatever you want to – Yeah, it's, there's a really good saying I like to tell uh, other golfers whenever I hear another caddy say it. Um, anytime a caddy says, uh, well, really, sir, this is all about your pace, I always look at my golfer and said, that means we don't know the line. <laughs> what I always loved when I was at Kiel, um because they had water everywhere. He got, he always hit, got, got sliced one in the water and dropped another one, hit another one over in the water. And that, that was a grandpa in the shitter. <laughs> Two balls in the water. <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, oh, we, man. We have, we, we have our Lance Armstrongs where it's one ball left. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and you know what? The best one I heard the other day, and I'm trying to really apply it. Uh, is uh, the Jeffrey Epstein where you tried to hang yourself, but everyone beat you to death. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, like, the, I, actually, I had that in the Looper Cup qualifier the other day where I was trying to hang myself, and they wound up posting my score nonetheless, and I wound up getting beaten to death. So, <laughs> Did uh, do you ever use the OJ? Oh, I've heard it, but refresh everybody. Yeah, cut it. We got away with it. <laughs> oh, no, but I, nope, I haven't heard that one, but I, I forgot the other OJ. That's, I'm going to have to use yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's more than just uh, the... Synopsis. They're basically all related to murder or death. And well, stuff. it's more of just making fun of your player at times with them not really knowing it when you're club it's, it's getting... Like, it's, it's pushing a line of being satirical and dark, but also that's where it's funny, where it's just like, yeah, yeah. bunker to bunker's a Saddam, and then two shots to get out of the bunker's a Hitler. I mean, it's just like shit like that. That's just how it goes down. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Nick, we really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the pod with us. Uh, we ran a little long, but it was worth it totally. Is there anything you want to plug in terms of what parking lots we can find you at? Are you writing a book? Is there a website for you? What do you got? I, I probably should write a book. Um, no, I mean, every, I'm, every jock should. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram, but I don't put much on there, to be honest with you. I'm kind of low-key with the social media. Um. I'm just going to be around. Hopefully, I'll come back home with you guys and tell some more stories. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Hope everybody enjoys the, uh, the wasted management this week. I got some good stories from there. Maybe we'll give you some wasted management stories next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you'll be out on the Florida swing because I know I'm going to be going to some events down yeah, there. Yeah, that's what Finley said. Hopefully, uh, I'll be out. Um, I'm, I'm working in Puerto Rico for a, a good friend of mine, Jay McLuhan. So, I'm definitely going to be at Honda and uh, – Bay oh, Hill. if you're going to be at the Honda, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there. And yeah, first, Zach, will, Zach will run into you at Honda. First beer is on me, or Jaegerbomb, preferably Jaegerbombs. Woo, those still exist. I forgot about those. I should have got some Jaegermeister just for the novelty. I just like it cold. 
Perfect. Deal. Oh, deal. Yeah. I mean, we're not <laughs> European guys. I mean, even though Zach's Canadian, I was about to say we're all American, but we're all Western enough that we don't like our alcohol room temperature. Like, we can all agree on that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one I, I see Nolan flinch. <laughs> Nolan's a good egg. And speaking of Nolan, uh, is there anything, uh, Nolan, you want to promote? Uh, what, what, what should we watch on TV lately? What's interest you? Are you writing anything? What's up? I am currently writing a little spiel on this uh, new premiere golf league. So, uh, <laughs> bachelor <laughs> team, it might might show up. It's shown up in my pieces before, so you never know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, give me a follow at Nolan T Smith wherever you like Twitter, Instagram. It's gonna be a uh, it's been a fun ride. And yeah, thanks again, Nick. This was awesome. So yeah, absolutely, thanks, we'll thank you guys for catching having. up at the haunt. Yeah, Zach, you got anything before I wrap this up? No, I got nothing. I got nothing. First Jaeger bomb's on me. And second Jaeger bomb, probably, if I have enough money. <laughs> That's like gambling you know, it all away. I got one I got to give you guys. I just thought about it. So our rookie year in Phoenix, with it being Waste Management Week, our rookie year in Phoenix, we, we get in on Thursday morning, Stephen Ames pulls out. We're playing with Brendan Still and Anthony Kim. Oh, oh, so we get over on about so we get over on about the fifth hole and I look over and it's it's pretty calm we're we're Thursday afternoon so the front side back then wasn't as rowdy now the front side's getting to where people are migrating over there because 16 such a shit show so I look over and there's these two guys on the ropes up by the fifth green that are wearing Oklahoma Blake Griffin jerseys <laughs> Okay. They follow us for seven holes till we finish that night before darkness because we had a uh, frost delay. And they call Anthony Kim, Blake Griffin, for seven holes <laughs> for every shot. I mean, it, and he was like, and I'm not Blake. I, every, the more he said anything to him, it just kept add, the more it just fueled the fire. I for mean, those for those of you who may not know, Anthony Kim was a sort of short um, Asian American golfer, and then Blake Griffin is what Jerry? You want to correct me? Blake Griffin is six ten, six ten NBA player, kind of half black. He's kind of got like ginger going yeah, on. Yeah, he's with, half black yeah. and ginger. But they they he's both an, went to Oklahoma, so I think. These guys, I don't know how these guys got on that kick. They're about as opposite as you could get as people. The technical term I heard for Blake Griffin's tone is octoroon. <laughs> oh. oh, don't laugh. That's a fact. You guys are all snickering. Come on. Like, Jerry's pretty learned here. Come on. No, that sounds pretty spot on. And we're all just assuming you're going to get us canceled, Jerry. So. Oh, yeah. well, you, could, you could pretty much see. You could pretty much see about anything. There's no holds bar out there this week. Like, I, I remember that, that same year on Friday at 16, uh, we hit it in the left bunker, hit a good bunker shot, and top side lift out about a four-footer, and it rolled about four feet. Lift it out, coming back up, he'll make double. And we're walking to the tunnel to go to 17T, and he's like four or five guys in the back of this grandstand stand up. So you might as well quit now and get ready for Q school. Oh, brutal. I mean, they're, I mean, they're just brutal. I mean, you don't – could I, could I ask a question before you leave? This is more for me. I have an obsession with Anthony Kim and trying to figure out what happened. Do you have any thoughts on the situation or any idea? I mean, obviously he got injured and that, that took him away. And then well, I guess it would be the same as like one of these other, you know, young kids with all these insurance policies that his insurance policy he felt like was going to pay more than 
he was going to make coming back from the injury. That's the only thing because, I mean, in my opinion, still to this day, and you can ask a lot of guys, a lot of guys even tell you this on tour, I mean, it's one of the top five ball strikers to maybe ever played the game. He still I mean, doesn't do any a, interviews, nothing. In like 10 he years, a, he's going to start. Look, 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 that, that, I mean, this, a, that, that could be definitely a podcast, like a whole 60 minutes for another time in terms of like all like removing all speculation, just like the, the contractual gag orders that he might have had. And the reason why we yeah. have not seen, him, heard his, seen his face or heard his voice in so many years, there's very unfortunate and legal reasons for that. And it bums us yeah, out. There's something, it, there's something there that, that's – that's still missing. I mean, even with the insurance policy for him not to do interviews, I mean, he's been seen like, I know some guys still seems or did see him. I haven't heard this lately at Madison club out in Palm Springs. A member out there would come out and play. And I I can't remember the last I heard his name. uh, And I don't even remember who it was a player that told me that's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't mind even saying who it was, but I can't remember who it was. So the last time he saw him, his hair was like, halfway down his back I mean it was you know I've heard that too the guy, yeah. the guy was a hall of famer I mean in my opinion I mean talking about Matt Wolf winning I mean he was gonna win 10 times that's how good he was he just oh easily I mean he was he was one of my honorable mentions for best player without a major just for what a flash in the like what a flash in the pan he was I mean in terms of like the potential of what could have been and honestly maybe he's going the route of Jim Morrison now who the hell knows I mean I mean yeah I mean look at that round he shot at Augusta that year what he make like 111 12 birdies or something like that I mean it was absurd I mean yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of sad because I think the tour could have could use some characters more like him, you know, this kind of off the straight and narrow path in a sense, I guess you could say that don't mind expressing themselves. But well, folks, you heard it there best from a guy who is inside the ropes at all times, and he gets the best uh, dipstick and litmus test of all tour players and their attitudes and everything. And, uh, Nick, we really appreciate you again coming on to the podcast. We will definitely, definitely, definitely get in touch with you so we can do this sometime in the near future. This is this is bomb, amigo. Yeah, I'm in, guys. Definitely love to come back. Thanks again for having me. Well, thank Absolutely. you, Nick. And on behalf of uh, Zach Penser and Nolan Smith, I'm Jerry Lou. You can find me at Jerry Lou Looper on Twitter. From the backtees.com is our website. And, hey, if you need a caddy at Bannon Dunes, you know where to find Thank you for listening to From the Back Tees. We hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information and updates, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at From the Back Tees. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of my life. See you next week. Be the ball, man.